Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer, the host of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai, where we're going to talk about the Japanese concept of Ikigai or living a life of purpose. Here you're going to hear inspirational stories from all different types of people who are finding their own life of purpose. You're going to hear about how they found their Ikigai and what they do every day to live an integrated life. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai. It is a weird weather in Tokyo at the moment in September. It went really cold and it's really hot again. I don't know whether I'm coming or going, but I'm glad to be here with someone who loves the great outdoors and has a big interest in nature, unlike me. I'm definitely a city girl. And uh, our guest today is Kozue Oka. And if you don't know about Mirai no Mori, by the end of this podcast, you will know a lot about Mirai no Mori. They're an amazing NPO doing brilliant work in the environment with marginalized youth. And uh, she's originally from Japan, but studied in Sweden for a year. So we're going to hear all about that and uh, the power of nature to change lives. And one of the interesting things in my Ikigai myth busting, I always talk about uh, many people come to workshops and they say, oh, Jennifer, I need to like quit my corporate job and I need to join an MPO and that's the only way I can live my Ikigai. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. But actually, (laughs) of course, joining an MPO is one way or an NGO is one way that you can live your Ikigai. So uh, Kozue is going to share her experience in that as well as talking a little bit about her vision and also what we were talking before we started recording was the difference between Ikigai and Yarigai. So why don't we actually dive in with that question, uh, Kozue? What was coming up for you when I asked you to be on this podcast and uh, about Ikigai and Yarigai? Yeah, I think that was a really great question. When I explain how I got to work with Minai Namori, I always say that I felt more yarigai to work with those children from the children's care homes rather than the children from the general household. And then, mm. but ikigai sounds deeper or bigger to me. But, mm. So how would you translate yarigai? Because there's many listeners who don't speak Japanese. What yeah, would you translate yarigai? yarigai? Rewarding. Rewarding, okay. It's, it's, it's like worth doing, mm-hmm. isn't it, I guess? It's more like a project, yeah. whereas Ikigai is more like things that you believe in and more like a life, bigger stuff. <laughs> life, bigger stuff. Yes, kind of a deeper, a deeper word. And often when I'm talking with uh, Japanese people about Ikigai, they're like, well, of course I know what Ikigai is. And then they're like, can you explain it to me? And not really, no. <laughs> Untranslatable word or concept and that's what trying to do with this podcast is to work out what does it mean and then how can people who don't have a Japanese background perhaps apply some of that learning and knowledge into their lives to live more as you say deeper lives with meaning so tell me a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today I was born and raised in Yokohama in Japan as the youngest of four siblings and we were not really campers. We didn't do like survival camps or anything, but we were playing outside in the parks and not really TV games. And I think I was always interested in just being outside and then getting energy back. And my mom still works for a small field that helps autistic children. 
and that's when I, I think I found out what kind of job that I want to get or what kind of life that I want to have. She always explained how hard it was to gain trust, for example, from the children or building trust relationship with the parents. But she felt or she looked really happy or like <laughs> so mm. so it was like what it was worth she had to work yeah, yeah, which yeah, was yeah, worth definitely. doing yeah and that that made mm. her look happy and fulfilled so rather than working for a big corporate that can replace me in a way easily I wanted to do something that only maybe I can do maybe very mm. grassroots and small impact but surely having an impact for some of the people that I get to work with. So I had that kind of dream in my mind and found interest in outdoor education. That's why I went to Sweden to study abroad. And coming back, I was looking for something related to nature and then empowering the youth. And then that's how I got to meet Mirai Namori. I was a team leader and did internship. And then soon after the graduation from my university, I got a job. And then I'm still here. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, so Mirai no Mori was your first job like out of university and, yes. and still there? Mirai no Mori didn't Amazing. really have the resources to hire a full-time person in the beginning. So I was working hmm. for a company that gave birth to Mirai no Mori, which is English Adventure. Then <laughs> it still exists in Niigata, right. does great camps oh, for yes. international school kids or children who are studying English. But we separated into two different groups. And then I raised my hand to move or transfer from English Adventure to Mirai Namori. I see. I see. And can you tell people who don't know about Mirai Namori a little bit about the, the mission of the organization? So yes. So Mirai Namori is a NPO based in Tokyo that helps children who are abused, neglected, non orphan children to support their growth into happy and successful young adults. And there are 30,000 children living in children's care homes, and then more than 80% mm. of them actually do have parents. They just can't live with them because of the abuse and any other various reasons. And now they have to deal with those after effects of trauma and a very emotional challenging challenges. <laughs> but at the same mm. time, they have to leave the care at the age of 18 and society is not really ready to welcome them either so it's just so hard for them to make the dreams come true so Mirai no Mori comes in believing that the change begins in the outdoors with our experiential learning based or continuous program they can gain resilience and confidence and self-esteem so that they can be happy and successful young adults it's amazing. And how many kids have been through the program? In total, so I think it's over 1,800 now. Wow, you're hitting a big... Obviously, the population <laughs> ages out because uh, people people leave. And within the children, the main age that the program is focused Our on is about how is open from 6 years old to 18 years old. And then the main area or age is grade 4, 5, 6, I think. Before they are too busy with the studying, but after they can kind of take care of themselves. <laughs> right, right. So they can fold their clothes. Well, my kids don't, but they can. <laughs> like, they know what they need. They can ask for it. They can look after themselves mm. to a little bit more. So 
In terms of the work that you're doing then, I want to, from an Ikigai perspective, comment it from a couple of different ways. So first for you, you know, as an individual doing this type of work, I know we've talked about whether it's Yarigai or Ikigai, but what does it give to you as a person? I think in the beginning, when I was a team leader who was directly in charge mm. of like four to six children and then making trust relationship, I think that was my Yarigai or Ikigai. The fact that I feel like I'm making a positive impact or building relationship and then witnessing how courageous they could be or feeling that mm. we are making a life-changing experiences together and then as I stepped up and then became a camp manager and a camp director I wasn't in charge of those specific children anymore I was in charge of like logistics and staff and vendors and then I think I, I felt mm. a little bit distanced in a way I was okay like the motivation was not the same. And then I was the authority figure. So some campers or children right. wouldn't talk to me because of it. But then I think I came to realize that how lucky I am to be actually in a position where I can connect those children with the team leaders that we hire or children with the volunteers or doing those awareness talks. So that became my ikigai or yarigai but like sometimes I I get lost <laughs> right oh so what do you do when you feel that like you've got lost how do you reconnect for your ikigai I think your those actual programs being at the programs with the staff and campers and co-workers definitely remind me how like why I'm doing this as well like seeing the positive impact in person or seeing the challenges that we have to fix or we want to improve keeps me going but when I don't have those programs that's when I'm still figuring out how can I keep reminding myself like the reasons why I'm doing this oh that's so relatable so many people I feel go through that that you know you start a type of way to spend your time whether it's work or like in a in a different community and uh, you come in at grassroots and you're all like that day-to-day -day contact but then because you're so amazing you get promoted or moved into another role where like your experience can be used as another way to support that community or organization and that personal connection you know one of the translations or the, the interpretations of Ikigai by the researcher uh, Dr. Akihiro Hasegawa is talking about like being in the here and now and um, being in the here and now imakoko, when you're you know doing the administrative paperwork is maybe not the same here and now feeling for you as like when you're connecting with a nine-year-old right and seeing them overcome their fears on the high ropes or something like that right when they thought they couldn't do it I'm getting goosebumps so I feel like the second part for me is going to give me that here and now rather than the doing the expenses you'll go to the programs as a way to to reconnect um, but I'm imagining this year it's been pretty tough with COVID right so what's been your ability to get that connection yeah so last year when we had the first state of emergency in Tokyo area all the schools were closed and all the care homes said no to volunteer activities and even some sometimes they said no to parental visits 
So it was really hard, especially for care workers, I think. They were the ones who had to say no to the children too many times. And that's when we did the online activity kits. So those nature bingo or things that they can do in the children's homes, we modified it and then send them over. We also collected right. like a camp staff volunteer voices, like a message videos and then send them over. But I think as the time went by, care workers start to feel or worry about more like their growth and then the lack of experiences and then the chances because they still have to leave the care at the age of 18 in general. So we resumed our outdoor programs here and there. And then now we decided for the rest of the school year, we're gonna do the small scale home by home rather than multiple homes coming together. And we asked them to drive as much as possible so that they don't have to take the trains. So mm. we'll see, like there are definitely needs for those children to be out and then just connect with the society and then get to know about themselves more. You actually were talking, you know, recently shared an article on the Mirai no Mori Facebook page, links down below, the Mirai no Mori Facebook page talking about the impact on children who have experiences in nature or with culture and how that uh, links to academic performance, right? So, and obviously, if you're going to be graduating from your care home at age 18, before you're actually an adult legally in Japan, crazy kind of do your gap, you know, how important is it then this type of program happening for mm, those young people? I think the article was also saying it really gives them chance to have more self-confidence and self-esteem. And then we, what we want them to have through our own continuous program is the ikiru chikara. So we call it life skills. And then of course it can mean so many things, but resilience or the ability to ask for help when they need it, or the ability to know that they actually need help because sometimes they just don't know when to, or they just don't know if they need help or not. So they just sit tight and then just the gas goes off or, and then care workers went to those care, the graduate home and then realized that they actually needed help, but children themselves didn't really know that they needed help. So just those little incidents made us think, okay, those, we can't really get them prepared for every scene or every scenario. So we want them to have those flexibility or mindset that they can use when they face those challenges. So it's hard to measure, but. Yeah, I'm just thinking actually there's um, an Ikigai framework called the Ikigai 9, which um, I've talked a lot about on um, on the podcast. It's an, a great sort of check-in tool. And one of the the, one of those all these kind of nine different questions but one of them is about like feelings of connection and that I'm needed and people need me as well as also talking about the themes of learning but um, this idea of being able to ask for help and having people that you can you can ask for help do you have any stories of uh, you know sort of kids on the on the program and how you've observed them mm. overcome that it's a tricky one. I put you on the spot there. Like, I'm sure you have many different no, no, stories. No, no. Might not be the direct example, but this year we have a program for campers. We call 
children from grade one to nine, shogakusei and chugakusei campers. And we have special program for high school students because they're the ones who need to be ready to be independent. So that's called leader in training program. So we had one participant as an LIT leader in training program participant who was a camper when he was grade two. And he was acting out from all his experiences. And then his siblings are all in the care homes as well. And when he joined our summer camp, which is four night, five days program, he wouldn't listen to us and he always wandered off. But he, I think it took time for him to really realize what Mirai no Mori is all about, but he felt comfortable and then he started joining those activities and he had a great time. He started talking to his team leader on day two. He wouldn't talk to me till last day, <laughs> but now we have <laughs> his photo and then he came back again and again. And then he got too busy in junior high school time. So he wasn't able to come, but he came back as an IT this year. And since he had great time as a camper, he saw the LITs as a role model. He was so motivated to join us. And apparently he's having a little bit struggle in his high school. He doesn't know how to make friends or doesn't know how to communicate with his peers. But I think he sees Mirai no Mori as a special place where he can actually share those struggles. And then he actually asked for help. Okay, this is the problem that I have. How can I get those skills? Or when we did the like, goal setting workshop, he was really going deep about why he really wants to come to Mirai no Mori, what kind of skills he wants to gain. So it was not like a one-off experience, but I think we saw the impact of actual tr building trusts and then taking our time so that they are proactive. They want to get help or they want to learn stuff so that was really nice for us to see that those campers are growing yeah that's amazing I see yeah seeing that evolution from like yeah the little kid who's like just wandering off to being this leader for him being this role model and and being in a space where as I'm sure you can share other examples but you know there's it's very hard to be an outsider in Japan. And as a child in a care home, you're an outsider, right? Without those. And they're amazing that you've created this structure, even though in his leadership roles, of course, he's a role model to the, the younger campers, but also he's got these connections, this network, this community. And feeling connected to other people is a really, really important part for me anyway, like the, the feeling of Ikigai, because somebody needs me. And I feel like I have meaning to somebody else. That human connection is super powerful. So one of the things I also often like to talk about, I don't know, I'm so dark on this Ikigai subject, but is, is like the dark, the dark side of Ikigai. And I feel that for many people who are working, you know, kind of social issues, um, working for MPOs, you know, they generally exist because there's a problem and something bad is happening. How do you keep your like your own motivation to keep going with all all the struggles and the different pressures that um I'm sure come with this role especially working with like at-risk youth yeah how do you manage <laughs> I'm about to project a load of myself onto this, so stop how do you deal with it How's I sound? yeah I think last year is when I actually realized that I kind of have my work 
mentality and my like, personal mentality a little bit separate. So I like a program, mm -hmm. I say, okay, let's have, we don't say let's have confidence, but like we want them to have confidence, resilience, and those skills. But I didn't realize that that's something that I want to work on or that I need to work on as well. So that was one realization ah. that was interesting for me. But also like we of course hear so many like heartbreaking stories, not really from campers because we're not therapists and then we don't really ask those kind of things. But coworkers yeah. sometimes tell us the stories if they need us to know. And then it, of course, 30,000 children with 30,000 different stories. But I think when I hear those super heartbreaking stories, I turn that energy into more, okay, then they really need us to step up and then do more meaningful things for them so that they can break through those cycles and then have self-actualization, mm. have a great community that they deserve. So right. in that sense, I, I guess I'm okay working with those children and I think we're, we're focusing more on fun and then how we can improve our programs yeah yeah because if you're stuck in feeling overwhelmed and pity and all, all of those things then how are you of service to to these kids right yeah mm. you're not <laughs> not solving the problem or not bringing anything new to them and they don't really need no, your I pity right so yeah so they need opportunities and, and different things. That's great to hear. And I, I think good advice and to anyone who's thinking of yeah, working in a, an MPO or an NGO to be aware of that, that those challenges will come and, uh, and how to move forward. So when you think about, obviously you've been with Mirano Mori for a lot of your career and we talked about kind of your shift into, into different roles. We talked about like what changed for you in the role shift but when you think towards your future, your Mirai, <laughs> with the organization and how it might continue to connect to, to your Ikigai, do you see any evolution or how things might yeah, change Yeah, so I'm not a great big picture thinker. <laughs> and then I, I think I'm working on it to some extent. Mm -hmm. But like, I think I didn't realize what responsibility comes with my title. So I was doing things that I thought I was supposed to do on a daily basis. And then again, last year, I realized how much responsibility I have to lead this NPO into the next stage or how to make this NPO bigger or more stable rather than, okay, next summer, we're going to do three sessions or next month, we're going to put two programs. And then if I skip those middle like process of getting to second level or next level it would be great to have Mirai no Mori that place <laughs> I'm a little bit Mori's dream is to have a, our own campsite and then that's something it became official in a way in our in, internally and then again like that's a big picture that's a big dream and it was a little bit overwhelming, but when I think about when we have a site, that's really heartwarming in a way. 
Yeah. yeah there's so much we can do. And then I definitely want to be part of it. And then I, I want to see all those communities coming together through Mirai no Mori. So that will be nice. Yeah, I, I love that, like the idea of like the ikigai in the future, right? There's something to to look forward to, even like as you were talking about the campground, you know, like, although I, I, I can sense that you have some, oh, it's a lot to do, like, but there's still that joy and that excitement, like your body language changed as you're like envisioning this. So, so having those visions, however scary they are, about the actual reality of doing it, is really, you know, Ikigai, a reason to live. Like you want to see this happen. Mm. You want to see it come forward. And I love what you uh, hinted at as well, that maybe you're not, and please correct me where I'm wrong here. It's my interpretation. You have this uh, role of you as the executive director of this uh, MPO that has this campground. And maybe you were still operating as a different type of executive director. And perhaps more like on a like running everything daily. So there's this transition, there's this shift for you to become yeah, this person. I think it will be sad to think that maybe I won't be needed at the programs, but at the same time, it will be cool if I can just be there to quality control or just sprinkle my cozy flavor <laughs> without worrying <laughs> about, oh, okay, the, is the bento coming on time or like, is everybody having like, drink enough drinks or so I'm excited for that shift or that change and also a little bit worried or like all the mixed feelings I think wow oh thank you for the honesty and vulnerability on that because I think that growth point of like what you want to do and then also kind of being pulled back to some of the things that first brought you at the the simple grassroots level so maybe this is a challenge. It's kind of a coaching question rather than, a, yeah, I love what you talk about, like this sprinkling the Causeway flavor. So what is the Causeway flavor? <laughs> I guess I haven't established this is mine. <laughs> the brand, <laughs> but go on. <laughs> but I, I love my Japanese, I think. Like we use English phrases here and there to just broaden their views. But I... Mm. I think I have my style to facilitate programs or just talk to them like like in person or one-on-one or I think it would be just nice to be there and then let them know that like we're going to be there for them every step of the way because like summer camp staff volunteers they of course change and rotate they come back again and again but I would love to be one of those core figures that they can, they know that they can meet us or they know that we're going to be there for them. Right. Uh, like, like the young man that you yeah, mentioned yeah, before, yeah. right? So he joined and now you can mm-hmm. see him um, as he becomes a, a young adult and you've seen that. And, but you've been a constant mm. figure through. I love it. I love it so much. You know, this idea of ikigai as a, as a reason to live, right? As a reason for being, or as it's also described, I, I love this expression, which is ikigai is an individual's consciousness as a motivation to live. And thinking, kind of jumping around in this interview, but thinking about the programs itself, right? Like when your participants are in an experience, 
right? They're doing some type of activity. I'm imagining they're feeling some ikigai. I'm here, I matter. Um, can you tell me uh, some stories of when you've like noticed that spark in some of the children? Or maybe in yourself as well. Of course, you can share your own personal ones because you felt it. You feel the ikigai too. But uh, it's it, the reason I ask is because there was a, I had a discussion with Dr. Hasegawa and he was talking, you know, in ikigai, we often talk about old mm, people, mm. right? Like older people towards the end of life, ikigai connected to these different, uh, like stopping you from getting ill for a long time and, and various different challenges. But here we have youth. Right. So what's Ikigai for a young person? How I think like, they, of course, never use the word like, oh, this is my Ikigai during the program. <laughs> but one of the things <laughs> yeah, for course. them oh, yeah. might sound small, but when we call their names or when we remember their names and next program, we call their names without like, checking the, the list. I think I can see in their eyes that, wow, like they remember they remember me or they remember my name. And I think that's something that Kilwalkers even told us as well. Like they have those not ongoing relationship with so many adults, even with their own parents maybe, or those Kilwalkers who they finally thought they could trust. But Kilwalkers, like average years of working is actually three to five years because it's a hard work, they burn out and then they leave. So being remembered, as a part of the community or as a part of the team, I think it really matters to some of them or many of them. So even once a year, when they come to our summer camp on day one, they got off the car. And then when they when we say, ah, oh, wow, like, Nani Nani-chan, you grow up so much. And then I can see in their eyes that, okay, like this is gonna be a good camp or a good time. So during a rafting program, there was a boy who came back maybe third time. And then we had summer camp and we had weekend programs, daily day programs as well. He's been with us a couple of times and he is really in a way aggressive. He sometimes have trouble fighting with his friends, but again, like he is who he is and he's really enjoying our, our environment as well. And during the rafting activity itself, he was in front of the boat for a raft. And then as he was like having a splash of water coming into his face, he was like, ah, kite okata. And then <laughs> that I think made all the kilowalkers and us and all the rafting guys happy because he didn't say it for anybody else. He was just like expressing himself and then he was just happy being there so that really yes. oh I love it and when do you when do you have those moments in your life maybe Mirai no Mori times other times as well when is your like kite okata I'm glad I came I'm glad I'm doing that mm. what types of experiences for you Kozo-san? that's a great question <laughs> yeah I was getting goosebumps as you were talking mm. about him kite okata and I was like that's mm. only guy like he's a like He's just here, proud, like happy yeah, to be I alive. Yeah, I think for Mirai Namori, definitely those campers coming back and then feeling that Mirai Namori is a place where they want to be. Because sometimes, like it really depends on the care homes. Sometimes care workers choose which camper to join us 
or sometimes they ask campers who want to come. So mm. it's a little bit hard to see if campers really want to be here or not. But with the high school students, most of the time they want to be there because they want to learn, they want to challenge themselves and they want to just connect with so many different people. So me seeing them because of the work that we did in the past, and then we had struggles, but we pushed forward and then they have been with us through those journey as well. And then it's also great to right. see and then welcome those children with the veteran staff and volunteers and dream about what we can do more for them. I think that's, uh, that's my moment. Wonderful, wonderful. And how about, do you have advice? What type of advice do you have for someone who is maybe thinking like Black Hole to be working in, um, you know, in the social issue space or within an NPO? What would you tell I them they should do? I didn't study about NPO or like children's welfare or anything but I saw the impact firsthand and through job I think I got to know how to do the NPO counting or like public speaking mm -hmm. and then documentation and so I think once or if you have that passion not really passion but belief that that's what you want to do like those skills would follow you can learn them so, and I think all oh, the team is very important. So be with people mm. that you can respect and trust and just build those dreams together. Ooh. And what type of people uh, do you like to be around? Happy. <laughs> happy, happy people. Or I yeah. think those who believe in what we believe in and then just heartwarming mm. people. <laughs> Yeah, heartwarming. I love it. You know, well, because some people say, like, I want to be with like the smartest people or like the most driven people. But that's not the energy I'm getting from the people that you want to surround yourself with. And I really, really love what you've said about like the skills will come. So through like have the experience, get get into the room. There's many things, of course, that you can like as a professional, then you can learn. But sometimes you just have to start somewhere. And then, then you realize, okay, this is what I need to know. This is what I don't know. And then you can kind of pick up, well, obviously apply yourself and pick up those experiences, pick up those skills as required. Wonderful. And is there any um, thing specifically about like Mirai no Mori that you would like listeners of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai to know and how they can yeah, support you? for more and more people to know that these children from care homes exist. And then we've met mm. so many of them through Mirai no Mori, but each one of them has dreams and incapable and full of potential. So first step, I think, is to know that this is a taboo issue here in Japan. So not many people talk about it or know about it. But first step is I would love them to know that those children exist. And you can do that through our website and social media and then join our community. That would be great. Wonderful. And of course, we can make donations, right? Or sponsor different projects or get involved in, in different ways, many different ways to support. Great. And maybe, yeah, as you said, like, you know, just talk about the challenges, be aware of it and think about who are those people who are in our team, right? 
who are could become potential employees mm, of mm, our organizations, mm. right? And how to bring, you know, when we think about not diversity and inclusion podcasts, but like those different types of backgrounds and how you can, as you talked about, right, the amount of like resilience and courage that these these children required to build other people like I wasn't raised in a care home so I don't have no idea and like that's actually a superpower rather than being like a a negative mark and I think it's often taken as like a negative mark against you're maybe going to be but there's there's something to be said for that experience Mm -hmm. right that lived experience is important and useful for any organization or community to have great and uh, final messages that you might have for anyone who is listening, whether it's your campus, whether it's your volunteers, whether it's the world, Japanese prime minister, current or to be, I don't think that, uh, I don't think Sugasan listens in, but you never know. Um, <laughs> any final message you would like to give to the world? Yeah, I think, again, like it's all... Gwen, that we are doing this right now with you, Jenniferson, too. And then I'm really grateful for all the support that we've had before so far. And then we, at Mirai no Mori, when we finish our activities with the campers, we do, we did it. Then with the staff, we do, we are a team. So I really believe that. And it is a life work for me, too. Like I, do need to get more resilience. I do need to get more confidence. Not really need to, but I would like to get more confidence as well. So thank you very much again for this great opportunity too. It was a great experience to push myself and then get up from my comfort zone. And that's what we ask campers to do. So I'm glad that I was doing this as a role model in a way. Right. Yes. And I think, you know, one of the things that we talked about when we were setting this up was like how valuable it is. Often, sometimes I feel like in some people's ikigai, the doing of the thing is the journey that was so badly set. I don't have a (laughs) a nice way, but this thing which has called you to, to work with this marginalized youth, to be creating these programs and bring them confidence and resilience is because you need to develop your confidence and resilience. And that's why this way to, to be here now, there this way to exist. Like that's, that's why you're here, this earth, right? <laughs> why you're still alive. You're here for some reason. And so maybe that's a really great takeaway for anyone watching who thinks like, I'm called to this. I'm really interested to do that, but I, I'm not this. I'm not that. I don't have this. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too Japanese. I'm too foreign. I'm too, I'm a woman. I'm a man. I'm a whatever, right? Like all of these things. So maybe by doing the thing, you're going to find those resources within yourself. You're going to understand why, why what you have is a value to yourself and other people. And whilst doing it like have those amazing moments where you're getting splashed with the water in the face going oh my god I'm so glad I came so glad I did this even when it's something which like feels hard and challenging at the beginning so amazing thank you so much Kozue it was fantastic to talk to you and I'm so excited for when Mirai no Mori has its amazing campground and how you continue to just change the lives of these young people and give them, yeah, hope and resilience and confidence for for their future. Absolutely fabulous work that you're doing. 
And um, I loved talking to you today. Thank you, Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you found something you could take away from the episode to help you find your own Ikigai and integrate it into your daily life. And I'd love to hear exactly what resonated with you. So pop over to see me on LinkedIn or on my Facebook page. You can find the links in the show notes below. And let me know what you thought was the most important takeaway from the podcast today. And sharing is caring. So feel free to share this episode with one of your friends who you think could benefit from hearing about living a life of purpose. Looking forward to see you on the next episode of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai.